Every week when I drop another episode, I always wonder, will this hurt me? Will my vocal cords be damaged? What will people think about me? Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! The World Baseball Classic has been a huge success. A huge success in multiple ways. There have been great games. Surprising outcomes, spectacular plays, wonderful storylines, and beyond all of that, the number of fans, both those that are at the games in person as well as those viewing on television, has been record-setting. I've been encouraged to see both publicly and to receive messages privately that more and more people are becoming more and more fans of the WBC. Despite all of this, however, there are some who are not fans, some who are whining and complaining, some who are claiming that the tournament doesn't matter at all, some who want Major League Baseball to say, we will not allow our players to participate. Thankfully, there are plenty, and I include myself in this, who consider all of that to be bunk. There are plenty, maybe all, of the players that are participating or have participated and have been eliminated this year who would strongly disagree that the WBC doesn't matter. Willie Adamas, who played in this year's WBC, went back to spring training with the Brewers and said that playing in the WBC was on par with or maybe above playing in the World Series. If you didn't catch the interview with Adam Wainwright after last night's game, Listen to that. See what he has to say. Another pitcher, Marcus Stroman, tweeted this out on Friday night. Friday night after Puerto Rico lost to Mexico. He tweeted, What an incredible experience. Beyond thankful for the Puerto Rican fans worldwide. The energy and passion excites me more than you know. We'll be back competing for Team Rubio in four years. The WBC atmosphere is second to none. Grateful for it all. Now, as I mentioned, Stroman tweeted that out on Friday after Team Puerto Rico was eliminated by Team Mexico. Stroman started that game for Puerto Rico, pitched four and a third innings, gave up a couple of runs. In that game, Puerto Rico started out scoring four runs in the top of the first. But then Team Mexico came back, came back to take a 5-4 lead, and that ended up being the final score in the game. And that ended up being the final score in the game, due in large part to this play. Melendez goes, payoff pitch. Deep left center, off the bat of Rivera. And the catch is made, up against the wall. Sliding back in safely at first is Melendez. Wow. Wow, was that a great catch. 
to watch it live. When that ball was hit, that was in the gap and a tie game. So the situation there was that Mexico was ahead 5-4 in the top of the eighth. There was one out and a man on first. And that ball is hit, and Randy Arozarena makes a spectacular catch. Now, of course, you cannot see the catch listening to that audio clip. If you haven't seen it, be sure to watch it. But what you can get out of that audio clip is the reaction of John Smoltz. Remember now, here's a man that played 20-plus years in the big leagues. He played 20-plus years in the big leagues, and a good chunk of that, I think 12 or so years, he played with one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball history, Andrew Jones, behind him. And you could see how in awe of that catch John Smoltz was. I mentioned last week that Randy Arozarena has demonstrated, both with the Rays and in this tournament, that he is a big game player. Now somebody noted that that win, Mexico over Puerto Rico on Friday, was the biggest win in Mexican baseball history. With that win, they advance to the semifinals. They will play tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern against Japan. And while I believe it is so that the win over Puerto Rico was the biggest win in Mexican baseball history, if they were to win tonight, first of all, it would be a major upset. That would now become the biggest win in Mexican baseball history. The winner of that game tonight between Japan and Mexico will face Team USA tomorrow night, again at 7, in the championship game. Team USA got to that championship game by beating Cuba last night in the semifinals 14-2. In that game, Trey Turner had two home runs. Team USA got to last night's game by beating, at that time, undefeated in this tournament, Venezuela on Saturday night, 9-7. And Trey Turner played a significant role in that game as well. Two-run game, Pino Bracho against Trey Turner. Turner to left field. So the situation was, it was the top of the eighth. Venezuela was winning 7-5. to five. Bases were loaded, nobody out. 0-2 count. Now you heard there, they said it was a changeup. It looked like just a cement mixer slider to me. But in either case, this 0-2 pitch was basically middle-middle. And Trey Turner hits the grand slam to put Team USA up 9-7, to seven, which is the score that they would win that game by. And again, talk about reaction. Watch Trey Turner's reaction. Watch the reaction of his teammates in the dugout. These players are loving this tournament. It has been hugely successful. And one of the reasons it's been hugely successful is because of some of the great storylines that have come out of this tournament. Storylines that would not happen if it were not for this tournament. Storylines that become headlines because of this tournament. And here's a great one about a young pitcher from Team Nicaragua. Okay, Bert, the new pitcher, pitched in the professional league in Nicaragua. He got it. He strikes out Juan Soto with the changeup. What we call Nicaragua, el cambio. The changeup. The 
took this little stir right out of like, oh man, okay. Didn't know you had that. Uh huh. Teenager who's that crazy. getting his first experience in anything like this. Rodriguez is already in the highest level. Oh, back to back strikes off as a star. Strikes out Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez. Who is this kid? Cheat up in the box a little bit. He struck him out, though. What an inning for the 21-year-old. In a lot of ways, that's what the World Baseball Classic's all about. He strikes out Soto, Rodriguez, and Rafi Devers. We've had a lot of cool stuff today. This might be the best thing we've seen all day. Oh, yeah. A moment he'll never forget. Uh, truly, truly, and the love and appreciation from everybody on that Nicaraguan side. So how about that? A young man, Duque Herbert, who strikes out not just three hitters, not just three Dominican Republic hitters, but Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, and Rafael Devers. Some of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. And it is a great story. And it is, in many ways, what the World Baseball Classic is all about. But the story got even better, at least for this young man. Immediately after that game, this young man signed his first United States professional contract. He was signed by the Detroit Tigers. And the, the World Baseball Classic is so good for so many reasons. You have players from, as we began this tournament, 20 countries. Players from all over the globe. Some of these players are future Hall of Famers. Some of these players are perennial All-Stars. Some of these players are minor league players who've never played above A-ball or double-A. We have players that have never played professional baseball in the United States. We have players in this tournament that have never played professional baseball at all. Players who work a full-time job. Just wonderful stuff. Speaking of wonderful stuff, wonderful storylines, here's another one about another pitcher. A lot of smiling faces, a lot of proud hearts at Chase Field right now. Rio Gomez is on the mound, a graduate of Desert Vista High School not far from here. The son of our beloved late colleague, Pedro Gomez, and his mother, Sandy Gomez, is here watching. And not giving up a run, and just the two hits. Now the 2-2. Swing and a miss! What a moment. Rio Gomez. The glove and not the bat. That is strike three called. Julian, who'd been on base all three times, retired to open up the seventh. Rio Gomez, boy, he does his job. An inning and a third, two strikeouts and a walk and nothing more. Look at that. Just a, a smile. Hi, Mom. Just a very, very cool moment. A very cool moment indeed. Rio Gomez, the son of the late Pedro Gomez, who was a longtime baseball reporter, many, many years with ESPN, who was very well-liked and respected. Pedro died back in February of 2021. He died of sudden cardiac arrest. But back in 2017... Pedro told his son, Rio, and they have a great relationship, or did have a great relationship. He said in 2017 to Rio, you will be representing Colombia in the World Baseball Classic. And that he did, and he did very well. Now, not only do we have these kind of stories, really heartwarming stories, but the other thing that's been going on this year is record-setting numbers. 
The first round attendance for the WBC this year, 2023, was over 1 million. And that is almost double the previous record. In Pool Play B, which was in Tokyo, they set a record for the most fans in any round. They had almost 362,000 fans in that pool play. They also set a record for the highest average attendance in either the first or second rounds of World Baseball Classic tournament play historically. They had 36,000 plus per game on average. Pool play D, which was in Miami, and of course the semis and the finals are there as well, had the most fans ever for any round played in the United States. Japan versus Korea was the most watched game in World Baseball Classic history. And there are other similar television records as well. Now, here's another thing. The quarterfinal game that was played Saturday, I mentioned it, USA versus Venezuela, it was sold out. The semifinal game played last night, USA versus Cuba, sold out. The semifinal game tonight, Japan and Mexico, sold out. The championship game tomorrow night, USA versus the winner of Japan and Mexico, sold out. The interest and enthusiasm has been phenomenal. Now, I've already mentioned Mexico eliminating Puerto Rico on Friday in the Marcus Stroman tweet. But listen to the reaction of the Puerto Rican fans at the ballpark in Miami on Friday night after their team was eliminated from the WBC. You've got to love that. Somebody, I think, on Twitter talked about the fact that the importance of this tournament to other countries is as big or bigger than the importance of the Super Bowl in the United States. I think that's an accurate statement. But despite all of this, and much that I haven't even talked about today, what happened after Puerto Rico eliminated the Dominican Republic last week prompted the criticism, prompted the calls to shut it all down. 3-2. And it is strike three called. Now, I'm assuming you're familiar with why I played that clip and what happened. That is just the celebration of Puerto Rico eliminating the Dominican Republic. But what happened in that celebration is that the closer who was on the mound to finish that game for Puerto Rico, Edwin Diaz, the closer for the New York Mets, got injured. Injured in the celebration. And in all of the video that I saw, it didn't seem to be in any way an outrageous celebration. They were just jumping up and down, though it appeared Edwin Diaz didn't want to have anything to do with it. Well, it ended up that he had a knee injury, so severe that he had to have knee surgery, and he is going to be out an extended period of time, probably uh, the whole season. We'll see on his recovery. Of course, that was a big blow to Team Puerto Rico in the tournament, 
They're now out. It's a big blow to the New York, New York Mets for their season in 2023. And I think if you're a baseball fan, you would see it generally as a big blow to the game. But because of something like this, there have been calls to stop playing the WBC. There have been people who have said the games are meaningless. Again, that Major League Baseball shouldn't allow its players to participate. They point to the Diaz injury, Freddie Freeman, who's had just a minor injury, and then just uh, a couple of days ago, uh, when Altuve was hit by Daniel Bard, and just as a side note, watching Daniel Bard in this tournament, I hope he's able to put this behind him and have another successful year with the Rockies. But Altuve was hit, broke his right thumb, and is going to undergo surgery and is going to be out for some period of time. It's yet to be determined. Because of those kinds of things, people are saying, we can't do this. we got to stop this. One of the most vocal uh, opponents of this tournament is somebody who has covered baseball for a very long time, Keith Olbermann. He called the WBC, quote, a meaningless exhibition series. And then he added, cut it off now. Now, if you listen to this podcast on any kind of a regular basis, and if you're familiar with Keith Olbermann, my guess is you do not have a lot of nice things to say about him. I understand that. And I don't know why it was this particular tweet on this particular subject that kind of brought it to my mind, because I've really known this before that. But you have to keep in mind that Keith Olbermann has a very impoverished and dark soul. It's really sad. And and he really needs prayers. Prayers that that dark soul would be enlightened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about her soul, but I know this. The mind of Britt Giroli is far better than that of Keith Olbermann. She wrote this, and I think a lot of the responses were to Olbermann in particular, though he's not alone in his view. She wrote, It's about the money. We scream at big contracts and players. But when it's not about the money, when we watch players, the best players in the world, play mostly for pride and the honor of wearing their country across their chest, we get mad at that too. That is so true. We grumble and complain. Nobody can win. It, it, it reminds me of Christ saying, right, we played the flute and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you don't mourn. And they complained about the John the Baptist and the way he lived and then complained about Christ in the way that he lived. It seems like complainers are going to complain. Whiners are going to whine. But again, when you look at what the people, the players themselves who have participated in this tournament say, you can see that they do not hold the view of Olbermann or others like him. Now, as I'm thinking through all this, or as I was over the last week, I started thinking of a word, a word that was brought to my mind with this whole attitude. And that got me into looking at some things and coming across a book that I've never read. But it is the book that coined this term, this word that I was familiar with. And the book is titled, The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. And it was written in 2019 by Greg Lukanoff and Jonathan Haidt. Now, I said I did not read this book. A couple of things about it, though. Number one, I would say good intentions on the behalf of some. 
I would say it's bad intentions on the behalf of many. But the second thing is, I think it has to be, the title has to be a play on a book that I have read that is also very important. A book written in the late uh, 1980s by Alan Bloom, The Closing of the American Mind, How Higher Education Has Failed Democracy and Impoverished the Souls of Today's Students. But all of that to say, the word that came to my mind, the word coined in this book from 2019, is the word safetyism. And the authors of this book talk about safetyism as a culture or a belief system in which safety has become a sacred value. And it means that people are unwilling to make trade-offs demanded by other practical and moral concerns for the sake of being safe. And they say this includes emotional safety as well. A man by the name of Matthew Crawford talked about the difference between spiritlessness and spiritedness. Safetyism would be spiritlessness. Spiritedness, he says, is dangerous, but it's good. Safetyism, and as I mentioned, I think some people might have had good intentions, but I think a lot of people have the intentions that are bad. Safetyism is not only detrimental to the well-being of baseball, Major League Baseball, the WBC. It's detrimental to the well-being of people generally, to the well-being of cultural cultures everywhere. It is unchristian and anti-Christian. This world isn't safe. There are illness and injuries, devastation and death because of the fall. It is not a safe place. Being a follower of King Jesus is not safe. C.S. Lewis talked a lot about this. One place is in men's, Men Without Chests. We, we castrate and build the geldings be fruitful. And he talks about it in his series for children, The Chronicles of Narnia. And in The Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, as the children, the Pevensey children, have made their way into Narnia, and they're at the beaver's hut, the dam on the river, they're talking and they're learning about Aslan. And they're, they're, they're excited, but then they're also a little bit, ah, what about Aslan? He doesn't sound very safe. And then finally, Lucy, who's the youngest of the four, says to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver about Aslan, then he isn't safe? And I love this response. Probably my favorite line in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mr. Beaver responds, Safe? Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. So many of us who profess to follow Christ believe he's safe. Or we make safety the top concern of our lives, even when it means compromising other moral concerns. In particular, the very clear commandments of Christ in the scriptures. Christ is not safe. Following him is not safe. Of course he isn't safe. But King Jesus is good. He is the king. And more of us who profess his name need to realize this. And then we need to stop living in the light of safetyism and instead live in the light of his glorious truth and the truth of who he is. Now, I'm going to ask you all a favor. I need your help. I actually sent this call for help, if you will, out over two weeks ago now. 
I did it on social media. And I said, I asked, I said, listen, those of you that have much more social media savvy than I, and I have almost none, can you help me out? And I asked for this help because in my limited social media savvy, I have not seen this happen one time. I asked them, and now I'm asking you. I said, listen, if you see anybody involved in Major League Baseball, from ownership to front office to managers and coaches to players, and when I say Major League Baseball, I mean all levels. I'm not just talking about Major League Baseball. I'm talking about all levels, major and minor league. Anybody in any capacity that has publicly, and typically this is going to be on social media, posted anything denouncing the wicked, murderous, evil act of abortion, please send me the post or let me know who this person is. It has been over two weeks. I had people respond saying, I'm on it, I'm watching, I'm following, I'm paying attention. Nobody has sent me anything as of today, Monday, March 20th. So I'm asking you if you will do the same thing. And while I find it very sad that so far I've not received any names or any posts, it's sad, but it's not surprising. And I believe this is one prime example of safetyism. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for listening.